Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Friday, March the 24th, 2023. It is currently 9.07 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Now, it's Friday evening. A part of me wants to be downstairs right now, maybe listening to music, maybe watching a movie or a TV show. There's a part of me that wants to be doing that. There's there's another part of me that wants to be reading this book that I have right here. I got this brand new book in the mail today, right? Just a couple of hours ago, Amazon dropped it off at my door. The name of this book is Know Him, A Year of Daily Bible Readings on the Character of God. Now, I did a podcast about this book. I told everyone I was going to order it. Um, I, I... I definitely want to, I want to dig into this. And so I wanted to do a podcast where I just, I read maybe the introduction of the book. We talked about it. Um, I'll just read the back of it. Wise, holy, creative, and good only begin to describe our God, to know him, to appreciate the depths and breadth of all that he is. We must read his word. In this year of readings collected from every book of the Bible, draw near to God in awe and wonder and experience his marvelous attributes as recorded in Scripture. Love, Trinity, truth, just, merciful, glorious, transcendent, and faithful. And again, it collects readings from every book of the Bible dealing with basically the character, the attributes of God. So I, I'm looking forward to digging into this. I, I wanted to do that, I want, but I can't do that either. So, so I, I, to be honest, I really can't be downstairs listening to music. I really can't be downstairs watching a movie. I, I, I really can't be sitting here talking about this book because I need to turn on the microphone to try to kind of correct. I don't even like the word correct to add additional information to the last live broadcast that we did. Our last live broadcast, we were dealing with the brand new album by Lana Del Rey, right? We dealt with the new album. The album is called, let me go here to the album on Apple Music. The album is called, Did You Know? Did You Know That There Is A Tunnel Under Ocean Boulevard? Did you know there's a tunnel under Ocean Boulevard? And typically I'm not, you know, even though it's New Music Friday, even though I love to listen to music and talk about music, I don't really do so on this podcast because it's a theology podcast. It's not a music podcast. And not only that, even if I was to try to look at the latest music from a theological perspective, I'm going to end up ticking people off because Christians get so upset when you talk about music. So typically I avoid music discussions, but I could not, I could not restrain myself. I could not stop myself. I had to talk about one of the songs from this album. Not only that, I was asked about it from my daughter, from my daughter's friend. I had people asking me about So what do you think about this? And one of the reasons there was, and not only that, there's news articles all over the place about the album, because in the album, in fact, track number five is a four and a half minute clip of a sermon preached by Judah Smith, all right? It's called the Judah Smith Interlude. 
It's it's track number five on Lana Del Rey's new album. Did you know that there is a tunnel under Ocean Boulevard? Now, let's just let me just remind everyone so that no one gets offended. It's not a Christian album. It has lots of explicit explicit language. No, I, I mean, if I if I don't tell you that someone's going to email me like, you know, you didn't know. I do. I do know. But we're talking about it because, well, I was asked my opinion on it, mainly because of its religious themes that are found in the album. I was also, uh, I felt compelled to talk about it because, well, there's news articles everywhere because everyone's asking, why is there a sermon clip from Judah Smith on a Lana Del Rey album? Why is it there? Many of Lana Del Rey's fans are shocked and bothered. Many news articles are like, this is a homophobic pastor. Why is he on Lana Del Rey's album? This is this is horrible. So there's people upset on that side. There's other people who are more religious like, "Oh, this is blasphemy. This is this is mocking God." Some people see it as mocking. Articles take all kinds of different opinions. So I I felt that I had to talk about it. Now, at the time when I started talking about it, I hope I hope you remember this. I hope you remember this. I hope you remember this. I said that I, you know, that I was still trying to figure it all out, right? Uh, one of the things I love to do, now, some people love this about my podcast, some people hate this. I love to be very much in the moment. I love to be reacting in real time. I like it to be very organic, very raw. Most of you know, I don't like it overproduced. So this is one of those situations where, hey, I'm still trying to figure this out. I'm still trying to understand it. I'm still trying to interpret it. I'm still trying to figure it out in a sense in real time. And, and well, I'm, I'm inviting you to be a part of the process. And some of you immediately started working. Some of you immediately started working, started contacting me. Everyone had strong opinions about it. And I really, really, really appreciate everyone doing that because it made me go back, put on the headphones, listen multiple times to it. And then some, some of you found some interesting information. So what I want to do is add some information to this that I think changes the way we perceive it. Because there were some, in fact, I have an article right here in front of me that felt that Lana Del Rey was sharing this sermon clip in a, in, and not, not because she agreed with it, but almost in an ironic way, almost in a, that she was just, almost in a mocking way, but that doesn't appear to be the case for the following reasons. Lana Del Rey seems to, I can't say is a member, but seems to attend the church that Judah Smith preaches at. There, There's articles about it. She attends the church. Not only does she attend the church, she's the one who recorded the sermon on her phone, which we thought was true in the first place. But not only that, it seems like she got permission to use the clip. So she got permission, she attends the church, so that would mean she's not using it in a mocking way. Even though some people interpreted some of the, the laughter and some of the comments that you can hear her and her friends making, that almost, some say they believe it was mocking, that she was using it in an ironic way, like, hey, I'm, I'm going to use this over-the-top, flamboyant megachurch to make a point, but no, it seems that that's not the case. Seems that that is being misconstrued by many of the articles because if you do a little digging, and I had, look, I know a lot about, look, when it comes to musical artists, I love their albums. I love their lyrics. 
I don't spend a lot of time digging into their personal lives. Like, I don't care who they're dating. I don't care where they're vacationing, where they're on vacation at. I don't care what they're wearing. That stuff is not interesting to me. So I, I didn't know this at the time I was trying to figure out what in the world is Lana Del Rey trying to do with this sermon clip? Why is it here? I was trying to deal with all of the controversy and everyone having opinions about it. So I think we can clearly say she's not using it in a mocking way. So that dramatically changes how we interpret it. She's not using it, I think, even in an ironic way, which changes our interpretation. I think she's using it because she's in agreement, at least with, well, I'm I'm guessing all of it, but most importantly, I still think it all comes down to the last statement made in the sermon and that she's using it. And now I think I understand how she's using it. And I don't know if it works now with the way that I wanted to use it initially. So let's do a little bit of, of putting this all back in context. All right. So there's the song. There is the album. Remember the word I wanted everyone to remember from the last live broadcast? Does everyone remember? It's this word. Commodification. Commodification. Commodification is divine. And I, and I, and I have no problem repeating this. I know... Sometimes I get bothered at myself for being repetitive, but not in this case. Commodification is within, and this is within a capitalistic or a capital, a capitalist economic system or a capitalistic economic system. If you want to say capitalist or capitalistic, a capitalist economic system. Commodification is the transformation of things such as goods, services, ideas, nature, personal information, people or animals into objects of trade or commodities. That's where you're taking something and you're turning it into a commodity. You're, you're using it in a way to, to make money, which is obviously very true in a capitalistic society, right? Art, how can we make money? Poetry, how can we make money? It doesn't matter what it is. How can we turn this into a commodity? How, how can we, you know, copyright this? How can we sell it? How can we make money from it? We understand that. So I, there was a, at least a feeling that she was somehow using this sermon clip to kind of speak of her fighting against the commodification of her art or of herself. And then she was like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to become a commodity. I'm going to do something for myself. And we tried to figure out exactly how the sermon clip fit into that. And now I think I know. So let me go back to the actual sermon clip. Now, we, I can't play it. We could have probably looked up. I probably could have looked up the sermon and actually pulled the sermon clip. But what I've been trying to do instead of doing that is I just reading the on Apple Music, the lyrics contain the words of the sermon clip. Um, and when you read it, it, when you're reading the words, in many cases, you don't get the same. I think I think you get a different meaning when you're listening to it versus reading it. And so this is where I started kind of, I think, misconstruing a little bit and messing up a little bit. And I had that really messed up because we were reacting with it in real time. And what I was trying to do is say, hey, guys, let's work on this together this Friday evening. So when I went back and listened to it, well, first I started getting the information, hey, she goes to this church, so she's clearly not mocking it. So that goes against what some of the articles were saying. 
And I think that what she's, I, I, I'll, I'll try to explain what I think she's doing. But not only that, once I heard the sermon clip again, you know, in the song, I realized I, I don't think Judah Smith is saying what I thought he was saying. That's one thing I did mess up is I interpreted the sermon to be saying one thing, but I don't think that's what he's saying in any way, shape, or form, and I will explain. So let's go back through the words of the sermon clip. Here we go. It start, now, remember, this is just like a four-and-a-half-minute sermon clip. We have no context, but I wanted to try to interpret it without the context because clearly Lana Del Rey is not, Lana Del Rey is not obviously using the whole sermon. She's using this clip. So clearly she's not worried about what the rest of the sermon was saying. So we're kind of stuck with the clip. Now, if we want to dive in deeper, we could try to find the whole sermon. But here we go. And, I, and I'm going to read this again. The sermon begins. And remember, she recorded, if, if you listen to it, the audio, yeah, I mean, part of the re- problem, maybe part of the problem is the audio is from her cell phone. So, so you know, you have to really, really turn up the volume and listen to it carefully to really get everything. But here we go. It starts with Judah Smith saying, don't you understand what that means? It means quit lusting after your neighbor. That's a heck of a life. You get to love your children in front of you. You get to love. You have to talk to somebody. I want a new wife. I don't love my wife anymore. I don't love my kids anymore. Missing out on life. They're usually my age. Does that sound like love? It's a life dominated with lust. And for too long, they've been holding it on. And finally, they just get weak and they say, it doesn't matter anymore. And the spirit of God says, I'll I'll infuse you with desires for what you have. So he, he he's painting this picture that as human beings, we find ourselves many times not loving what we have, but lusting for what we don't have. Now, if you think about it, that that is basically the sin nature. The sin nature is lusting after what we can't have, what we don't have. We, 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 the the sinful nature is never satisfied. The sinful nature is never happy. It's always wanting what it shouldn't have, can't have. And that, that's our sinful nature. Now, what Judah Smith is saying, hey, don't live that way. Just listen to God and God. And if you'll listen to God and you'll, you'll let him do it, he will infuse you so that you will only love what you have. Now, the problem is that that is... Look, the only way for this to work would be to remove the sinful nature, which God never removes the sinful nature until glorification. But, all right. But according to this, the Spirit of God says, I will infuse you with desires for what you have and what's in front of you. Desires for what you have. So, as he works deep in your heart, as you call out to him and say, I'm here. Do you hear me, man? Help me. I want what I got. Help me love what's in front of me. Help me want more of my wife and, and more of my friends. Help me serve the city I live in and not wish uh, wish it away and hope I can move. Help me, God. I want to be a man in love, not a man in lust. But you've got to do that. So, hey, God, it's this weird Christian worldview. God wants you to only love what you have, but but he can't do anything until you cry out to God and say, hey, 
Only help me love what I have. But if you'll do that, then God just takes away all of the wrong desires. So then I guess we could be sinless. It's the never-ending weird circle. Christians claiming we get some power, but then can't articulate why we continue to sin. It's So, okay, we get into that whole kind of confusing thing. Then it seems like a hard transition. But then he does this. This is Judah Smith again in the sermon clip from the Lana Del Rey album. Here we go. He goes, so I'll, I'll bring you to this verse and I'm done. I'm done. Psalms chapter eight. And you know where I got this verse? This is going to sound crazy to you, but I'm going to tell you the absolute truth. I'm going to make me sound so superior to us all. I'm looking forward to it. I woke up this morning and God said, check the Bible app. I don't know if it was God, but I felt like that. In my head, I thought if I hadn't checked the Bible app, okay, in my head, I thought if I hadn't checked the Bible app, I'm going to speak to you from the verse of the day. The way he's, like, if you hear him speak it, it sounds to flow better than reading it. This is just one of those, like, when you read it, it seems kind of broken. But so he's like, okay, I'm going to check the Bible app. I'm going to get the verse of the day. And he goes, that means I don't have to do anything. I don't have to look anywhere. I just got the, I just get the verse of the day. Now, I think he's saying this almost in kind of a joking way, kind of a sarcastic way that, hey, I, all I need to do is get the verse of the day. I don't have to look anywhere. And here's the verse of the day today in the Bible app. Look at this. All right, here we go. Look at the splendor of the skies. Your creative genius is glowing in the heavens. Now, this is supposedly Psalm chapter eight. Let me, let me look over here. I'm going to grab a different translation. Clearly, he's not using the King James. I'm going to go to Psalm chapter 8. Psalm chapter 8. Um, all right, I'm just going to read I'm just going to read it here. Psalm chapter 8. Uh, Lord, our Lord, how, mag- how magnificent is your name throughout the earth. You have covered the heaven with your majesty from the mouths of infants and nursing babies. You've established a stronghold on account of your adversaries in order to silence the enemy and the avenger. When I observe your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and in the, and the stars at which you set in place, what is it? What is a human being that you remember him, a son of man that you look after him? You made him a little less than God and crowned him with glory and honor. Right now, he said, so he reads it this way. Look at the splendor of the skies. All right. Now, my, uh, my, the translation I'm using, when I observe your heavens, I think that's here, you, your creative genius glowing in the heavens. It says the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars. All right. So I don't know. I think he's using a paraphrase, possibly. I don't know if it's the message. I don't know. But he's using, obviously, a a paraphrase. Your creative genius flowing, uh, glowing in the heavens. When I gaze, when I gaze at your moon and your stars mounted like jewels in their settings, I know you are the fascinating artist who fashioned it all. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know where, this is like the, uh, a clear paraphrase, right? 
When I look up and I see such wonder and workmanship above, I have to ask this question. I've got to ask this question. Compared to all this cosmic glory, why would you ever bother with puny mortal man? All right, so there's a part of me that would think what Judah Smith is trying to say is, hey, the reason we should love, well, I, 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 it, it sounds to me that like if I was trying to follow his logic, hey, the reason we shouldn't be chasing after all of these things we don't have is because there is this amazing God who loves us, so we should be content with God and not need anything else. But he, he doesn't really draw that correlation, or at least, at least from what I, I perceive, he's not drawing that correlation. But here's where he goes, all right? He goes, so why would you even bother with puny mortal man or being? Oh, don't get me started. I could preach another hour on infatuated, right? So, so what does he mean? Like he could preach another hour on being infatuated. Like God being infatuated with us? It says, or be infatuated with Adam's son. Now that I don't know translation he's using. Um, is he saying, what is a human being that you remember him or a son of man that you look after him? Is he saying that the son of man that you look after him, is he referring to that as being, a, that God is infatuated with us? Is he seemingly trying to imply that God is infatuated with us? I mean, there's a lot here in the sermon clip to try to unpack. All right. It says, why are you so infatuated with me? Now, that's clearly, he's making this that God is infatuated with us. Now, because God is infatuated with us, is that the reason then we should be content with what we have? He doesn't, he doesn't, you know, like, like again, we, we, we don't have the whole sermon clip. It's just an odd sermon clip to be found in the middle of a Lana Del Rey album. But okay, here we go. So why are you so infatuated with me? You're the star creator. You're the ocean maker. You're the well creator. You're the rhino designer. Who? Who are you? And then it goes on in verse five and says, here we go. Now he quotes verse five. I'm going to read verse five from my, my translation. This is Psalm eight, verse five. You made him little less than God and crowned him with glory and honor. Right? Yet what honor you have given to men created only a little lower than Elohim, which is the name of creator, God, artist, God. You want to call God artist at some point tonight before you go to bed, be like, yo, Elohim, and he'll hear you're the best artist ever. Okay. I, I don't, don't really know. Okay. We could talk a lot about this, but all right. Little lower than Elohim crown like Kings and Queens with glory and magnificence. You have delighted you have delegated to them mastery over all you have made. You have made me a partner with you. Now, and then this is the, the part. This is the, the part everyone thinks is why Lana Del Rey used this clip. I used to think my preaching was mostly about you. And you're not going to like this, but I'm going to tell you the truth. I've discovered my preaching is mostly about me. Now, my initial thinking, 
And part of this was I was being greatly influenced by what I read or by the sermon review we did earlier today. The sermon re- review we did earlier today, I was really bothered and I kept, and I was asking this question, how many times do we make it about us? We don't make it about God. We make it about us because we listened to a sermon where someone took the cleansing of the temple by Jesus and John too and made it all about ourselves. And it was, it was horrific and it was a train wreck. And so I've been really preoccupied with that today. So when I originally read this, I used to think my preaching was mostly about you and you're not going to like this, but I'm going to tell you the truth. I've discovered my preaching is mostly about me. My first thoughts were, were, well, he's obviously talking to God, right? Because if you go back, he's literally like reading from Psalm 8, you have delighted, you have delegated to them. Mastery over all you have made. This is all God. You made me a partner with you. You made me a partner with you. That seems like he's referring to God, right? Then he says, I used to think my preaching was mostly about you. Well, that makes me think he's saying, he's he's literally talking to God. I used to think my preaching was all about you, God. But then the next part, and you're not going to like this, but I'm going to tell you the truth. Like I'm reading this like he's still talking to God. Hey, you're not going to like this guy, but I'm going to tell you the truth. I've discovered my preaching is mostly about me. So I read that like here is Judah Smith acknowledging, hey, no matter how great you are, God, no matter how how wonderful you are and how amazing you are, I make it about me and I don't make it about you. That, that's how I was interpreting it. But now I'm questioning that. And, and if we go with that direction, I don't know exactly how Lana Del Rey is using it. But I think what Judah Smith was saying is, I think he, he's saying all this about God, right? And then I think he's looking at the people going, I used to think my preaching was about, was mostly about you guys. And you are not going to like this. He's looking at the congregation. You're not going to like this, but I'm going to tell you the truth. I've discovered my preaching is mostly about me. But I don't think he's saying it in a bad way. I think what he's saying is I used to preach to you. I used to preach at you, but I'm realizing that now I am preaching to myself. I'm preaching at myself that I'm now preaching for me. And I think Lana Del Rey is using this because if you go back to the previous song, it seems that she's like everyone, that there was a, that there's a time where the focus is what everyone thought about her and maybe her trying to be what everyone thought she was. But now she's decided I'm going to make music for me. I used to make music for you. Now I'm going to make music for me just in the same way that Judah Smith is like, I used to preach for all of you, but now I preach for me to me. I interpreted it that he was saying that to God. Hey, I used to think I was preaching about you, but I was preaching about me, which I thought was a powerful confession. Because I think in many cases, we use God for our own self-glorification, our own self-gratification for self. So I'm changing how I'm interpreting that. There, there's, 
when I read it, it, every time I read it, I go back and forth. Like, because he, the way it just flows right from Psalm 8, where he's supposedly talking to God, it seems natural that he's in a sense saying, okay, God, look, I used to think I was preaching about you, but I'm just going to tell the truth. I preach about me. I thought in some ways he's confessing it, but that doesn't really fit the, the vibe there. I think what he's telling, he's telling everyone else, hey, guys, I used to preach about you, but now it's for me. Now it's for me. Almost like he's saying, is he saying it in a good way? No, look, you can go listen to the sermon clip for yourself again. Lana Del Rey, you don't, you don't have to listen to anything to the album. Just find the song Judah Smith interlude and you can interpret it for yourself. All the news articles are interpreting it different ways. Like, I'm going to give you an example of one article's attempt to interpret it, right? Let me, let me just give you one news article. I mean, there's a lot of these articles out there. But let me just give you one. All right. Uh, Judah Smith's interlude appears on Ocean Boulevard immediately after a song called A&W, which is not named after the fast food chain, right? It's an abbreviation for American Whore. And the song... First, uh, American Horror, and the song finds her examining, Lana Del Rey, it finds her examining herself in the past, present, and future, twisting those parts of her identity into a mangled investigation of the different errors of her career. The result is a compelling seven-minute stylistic switch-up that lampoons her own commodification. There's that word, commodification. In other words, she's been turned into a commodity. And she realizes it. She's almost mocking that. And all the personas that fans and critics have thrust onto her, the damsel in distress, the victim of violence, an empowered icon, a fake religious dilettante, or uh, whose best friend is Jesus. In other words, all these different ways that she's kind of been viewed or treated. And she's, she's, she's done with that. So... Uh, examined against A&W, Judah Smith's interlude plays as wholly ironic. This is the way they're interpreting it. Del Rey is exactly the type of person who would attend a celebrity-studded megachurch, both for a cleansing of the soul and to lambaste its intrinsic flamboyance with her friends. But see, no, 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 no. She seems to go to this church. She got permission. She's not there to lambaste it. She's doing exactly that with the song. Throughout Smith's sermon, Del Rey and her pals can be heard laughing as Smith winds around his point. But her laughter doesn't be, seem to be a mocking. It seems to me more endearing, as I think someone interpreted it for me. And I think they did a great job of picking that up. Talking about God as a massive, all-powerful being, Del Rey mumbles, yeah, yeah with an acid-tongued, winking sarcasm. No, I don't think there's any winking sarcasm. I don't think it's acid-tongued. I think she's giving actual agreement to it. Other times, she can't help but hold back her distaste for Smith's cringy absurdity. I don't know. I don't. I think she's in agreement. When Smith refers to God as the rhino designer, Del Rey and her friends giggle and jokingly, jokingly question, rhino designer? No, I don't, I don't think they're jokingly questioning i think they're just like oh that's a cool that's like like oh he said rhino designer like i don't think in any way it's negative then they go on to say this but what really drives home is how del rey uses the interlude as a means to an end 
The excerpt of Smith's sermon ends with the preacher discussing his own career and a larger existential setting. I used to think my preaching was mostly about you. I've discovered my preaching is mostly about me. This ending frames the song not just with the context of Del Rey's new record, but her entire career. Ever since her first album, Born to Die, was released in 2012, her fan base has narrowed significantly from those who loved her top 40 adjacent hip-hop and sad girl persona to those who prefer the delicate, trippy poetry of her more recent and much more diverse work. In the 11 years since her debut, this singer has taken control of her own career and harnessed a cult fan base where now she has a blank check for her entire artistry. So in other words, what they're saying is that she takes that last part where Smith says, hey, I I think I used to preach to you. I thought I did, but now I'm, I'm preaching for me, to me, that what she's saying is she's using that clip to tell her fans, I thought I used to make music for you, but I make it for me. But I don't think she's mocking. She's not using it. She's not mocking it. She's not using it in an ironic way. And I don't think Judah Smith is saying it in a negative way. I think he's saying that it's as a good thing. I used to think, I used to try to preach for all of you people, but I, and I'm preaching for me now. I'm preaching for me. And, and Lana Del Rey is like, I think I used to be preoccupied with all of you, but now I'm making music for me. So this may change our entire interpretation, not only of the sermon clip, of what Lana Del Rey was trying to do. And you can still work through it if you want. Again, you may be thinking, well, why even worry about this? Because everyone's talking about the sermon clip. Everyone's talking about it. I mean, some people are just losing their minds because I can't believe she would pre um, have this sermon clip from this horrible pastor. He's being referred to as a homophobic pastor. But I think everyone's missing the point of what Lana Del Rey is trying to say. I think what she's trying to say is, hey, guys, I'm, I'm going to focus on what making it for me. So let's then let me try to bring this back to a theological point. My earlier point. I wanted to use this whole story about Lana Del Rey. And I wanted to use it to challenge us as Christians that have we made it all about us? Have we basically removed God and made it about us? Almost we've turned God into a commodity that not only that we, that we sell and that we buy, but we just purchase, we just use God as a commodity so that we can make us better, that we can make it about us. We purchase, we, in a sense, we use God for our own exaltation, our own glorification and our own betterment. God is simply a commodity that we use. But I don't think that that's really what's happening here. I, at least I don't. And, and how you interpret that last phrase of the sermon clip, I'd love to get your thought. I don't think anyone's going to agree on this. But I'm thinking that what Judah Smith is trying to say is that I realized that I don't need to be preaching to you guys, that I need to be preaching to me. Instead of trying to write sermons for you, I need to write sermons for me. That I, but, but is that, is that the right approach? Is, is, that, is, that, is that making you the center? Is that still 
violate, like, like I thought, do we replace God and make ourselves the story? But in preaching, if the preacher makes the sermon about him, is that, is that a good thing or a bad thing? If you go to church and the preacher is preaching sermons for him and you're just listening in, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Because, I mean, should we, should we preach the text with anyone in mind? Or should we preach the text just like, what does the text, like, is the problem we're always trying to focus the sermon on the audience instead of trying to focus the sermon on the text? This, I mean, we're, we're kind of, a theme is kind of emerging today. And I don't know if anyone's getting it. Some, sometimes I, I, I'm not trying to be too clever for my own good, but I'm really trying to process this. Like, like we had a sermon today that, was a, that we listened to that was a clear example of someone just literally throwing Jesus and throwing the entire text aside and say, everyone hear about how good I am and hear about all the good works I do and, how you, and, and, and focus on yourself. Like it was, it was a complete obliteration of, of the text. And placing us here. So when, when, I, when I heard Judah Smith in that sermon clip going, hey, I used to think it was about you, was think about me. I thought, wow, what a refreshing acknowledgement, right? Because I think so many times we say that church is about God, but it's really about us. So in some ways, I thought it was this amazing confession where Judah Smith is saying, hey, I used to think I pre- was preaching about you, God. I think I was preaching to you, for you, or for you, but I realize I'm preaching for me. And almost like in a, this is a vulnerable confession, but I don't think he's saying that. I think he's looking at the congregation saying, hey, I used to be preaching for you, but I'm now preaching for me. Well, that that's not the humble, is that, a, I don't know, is that a good thing or a bad thing? So we can say this. When the church makes it about us and not God, that's a bad thing. And I think over and over and over we do that. I think we make all, I mean, we make it all about us, all about us. We make the text about us, not about God. So I think we can agree that's bad. But if a preacher says, okay, I'm not going to preach for you. I'm going to preach for me. That, that's on, on, on one hand. Now, this is the way I think it should work. I think in sermon prep, the sermon should be preached to the pastor, right? It should be applied to him. He should be convicted by it. It's, it's like his own private devotional time, his own private study. He should be being like studying the word of God to see what it says and then applying it first and foremost to his own life, looking for the, looking for the two by four in his own eye before he starts worrying about the splinter in anyone else's eye. I think that that's what sermon prep should be. But when it comes to the sermon, Doesn't he have to then focus on the people? Or should all sermons not focus on the preacher or the people in the pew? And the, and the sermon should simply focus on the text. And what does the text say and what does the text mean? But you're going to have to apply it at some point, right? 
So who are you? You've got to apply it to the people, right? I mean, I guess a pastor could just apply it to himself. Look, I think sometimes a pastor, when he preaches, what he should say is, hey, guys, the sermon application today is not for you. It's going to be for me because I need this. But sometimes when you say that, then really you're just coming across as sanctimonious and you're making it about you. So do you don't have to really, do you need to tell the people that you're applying it to yourself? I guess you could, you, some, I, you know, how do you, how do you feel about that? What do you think Judah Smith is even saying here? I think Lana Del Rey is saying, hey, just as Judah Smith realized he's not preaching for the people, he's preaching for himself. I am letting my fans know that, hey, no, I'm not going to be all these I'm not a commodity that you can just turn me into whatever you want me to be. I'm going to make art for me. Now, I love that about her, but that's kind of always been her mindset to some level. So I I understand now why she's using that phrase. What what, what we struggled with is how to interpret the sermon clip. How do we interpret that line? Let me read it to you one more time. Let me read it to you one more time. Pull up the lyrics here. Go all the way back down to the bottom. Here we go. I used to think my preaching was mostly about you. And you're not going to like this, but I'm going to tell you the truth. I've discovered my preaching is mostly about me. Now, I don't know. Do you think he's he's speaking that to God and this is a confession? Or do you think he's looking at the people? Now, the, we don't know what comes next. His next statement may clarify it completely. But since we're not given that, it's more fun to try to figure it out. If I wonder what, what would be the, the consequences to preaching. If I started preaching, I'm like, I don't even care about what the people think. I don't even care. Now I'm worried about what the people think. Don't care what they want. Don't care what they need. I'm just going to preach for me. I'm not, I'm just, who cares? Who cares? Would that be a good thing? Or would that be a, a, a absolutely horrific thing? Hey guys, I know you show up, but I'm not here to preach to you. I'm preaching for me. I'm preaching to me. Now at one end, that sounds very spiritual, But is that not self-indulgent? Hey, I need you to show up here and I need you to support me financially, but I'm here to preach for me. I'm not worried about you. I don't know. You, you can tell me what you think. You can tell me what. I know we've taken up uh, t- almost two hours on this today, but that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. I would love to get your thoughts on it all. On what do you think Lana Del Rey is trying to get across? I I think I know what she's trying to get across. Clearly, she's trying to get across, hey, I'm not a commodity that you can just buy me and make me whatever you want me to be, but I am an artist and I'm going to make music for me. That, That may work great in the music world and I applaud it in the music world. I just don't know how that works in the church. News, if at yahoo.com. 
news, if at yahoo.com. That's news, if at yahoo.com. That's news, if at yahoo.com. You hear what I have in my hand? I have that new book. We need to talk about this book. Don't you, do, don't you want to talk about this book? I, I kind of want to talk about this book. I'm kind of excited to dig in. So maybe we'll turn on the microphone and co- go live here in just a second and talk about the book. Since we've been talking about Lana Del Rey all day. Well, not all day. But that, I think the sermon that I reviewed prior to greatly impacted how I interpreted what Judah Smith was saying. But we don't really know for sure. I'm telling you, the way you read it, the way you read it, it makes it sound like on one hand that, hey, he's talking to God. And this is like a, a powerful, vulnerable confession. But on the other hand, it sounds like, no, he's actually talking to the people. So let me know what you think. Newsif at yahoo.com. Everyone have a great night. I should be back live on the air here shortly. God bless.